Hello and welcome to another episode of E-Chamber Podcast. And once again, thank you for tuning in. I know, I know, it's been a while. But like many of you understanding that we're in a pandemic, uh, my family got hit with that. Um, um, <laughs> not to go into so many details, but that was a bit of a challenge and I had to make some adjustments and kind of take care of that. And I feel like things have gotten back to normal which is kind of a great segue to kind of talk about the sermon uh, that I'm going to post today. Because once again, when I looked at the feedback or I looked at um, the numbers, analytics, whatever you want to say, I see that people actually listen to the sermon. So I'll still be posting those sermons. Um, I'm going to run out, obviously. I don't preach every week, but I'm going to be posting those sermons. But I do want to share some other stuff as well but I did make a commitment I'm going to share those sermons and as long as people are listening I wanted to share that so for this week I'm going to be sharing the sermon God of the Detour you know that in life sometimes we have to take detours but sometimes God um, sometimes we think that's not a part of God's plan but maybe it is so hopefully you get something out of the sermon uh, like I said I will hopefully be more consistent in this i have the sermons here it's just about uploading that and you know you don't want to get bored with all the details but actually maybe this is kind of speaking to a little bit of a detour where you know i have a newborn and everything and you have to make adjustments and maybe for you you have to make adjustments and i don't want you to get overwhelmed in life when you have to make adjustments because probably you had a path you wanted to take but the detour could still be God's plan. Most likely it is God's plan. And for those of you who are not Christians, even listening to this, you never know. Maybe listening to this and experience it is also a part of God's plan. So um, here's the sermon for today. I don't want to explain too much of it, but here's the sermon today. Um, be blessed. Let's just get right into prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done. Thank you for this unique opportunity to minister your gospel. But Lord, above all things, I'm praying for your people, the listeners, those who are hearing right now. You know where everyone is at. You know the person that is not let accepted you as their Lord and personal Savior. You know the person that has been saved for many years. All need to hear from you today. So Father, I pray you minister to those individual needs. I pray for your Holy Spirit. You touch the heart. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Rebuke where we need to be rebuked. I pray, Lord Father, if there's any fault of mine that would prevent you from using me as a vessel, I pray, Lord Father, you hide it under the cross. I pray, Lord Father, forgive me of my sins. I pray you anoint me to be used for you, not for my glory, but for yours and for your people being ministered to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. My subject is God of the detour. God of the detour. Uh, somebody just type in the chat right now. I'm gonna get you guys to be active. Type detour. Type detour. A detour can be defined many ways, many ways you can divide the detour, but the one that I like is a deviation from a direct course. A deviation from the direct course. So there's a course that someone sets, and any deviation could be considered a detour. And 
I don't know about you, but as soon as I think, and I saw it with the graphic, when I hear the word detour, the first thing I think about is those construction signs that say detour. Maybe you were planning, you were going to work one morning, you were driving, and they said, you can't take this route, you have to take a detour. And when you think about driving, I'm, I, I've been driving for, oh, I don't know how many years, uh, but I haven't always had the opportunity to do long road trips. I've done a few of those, and I've been accompanied by my wife, who's a good road you know, partner in driving. But I've had two opportunities where I've driven to the States, one in, uh, uh, in Chicago, one near Washington, but the drive was basically around 10 hours, and I was doing that by myself. I don't mind long drives by myself. <laughs> I have my radio, I have my thoughts, I have my snacks, I'm good. But you have to make sure you got your GPS. Your GPS is charged up, it's set the destination, and then you're good. It just handles itself. You just have to follow that. It's, it's fairly easy. And I remember during one of these trips, I was trying to remember which one it was, but I remember for one of these trips, I did everything right, I set the GPS, and then those who know you have a GPS, it has an estimated time of arrival, so it says 10 hours, you're like, I'm good and you're driving and you're driving. But it began to get a little dark and you know when you're doing those long stretches of highway, those long stretches where you're just going straight, it's easy, it's fine. You can put on cruise control, you can relax. But there came a point where I needed to turn. And for some reason, I start overthinking things and got confused and then I made the wrong turn. Somebody type wrong turn. And if it was a subtle turn that I could just get back on the highway, it would be fine. But then all of a sudden, I start to see this deviation. <laughs> and then my estimated time jumped up. I was on a detour. <laughs> I then realized that one decision that I was going to arrive later than I planned to. I realized that one decision, I'm no longer on the road that I set out to be. And the perfectionist that I'm in, I got frustrated. I was wondering if there was some way to turn back, but there was no way I had to continue on this route. And I knew I was still gonna get to my destination, but I knew I was on a detour. I don't know about you, but in this journey of life, when you think about that, how many times that you have set out on a course, set out a direction in your life, and then at one moment, Something happened, and all of a sudden, you were on a detour. It could be a marriage. You were happy and excited at the wedding day, and something happened in that marriage, and all of a sudden, you feel you're on a detour. It could be um, with a friendship that you had with somebody, and you guys were great, and you were setting off on a course, but something happened, and now it's on a detour. It could be parenting, it could be a career, it could be in school, different areas of our life. We set out on some type of course and we, we want it to happen that way. And sure, we know bumps happen and we know challenges may come, but as long as we're able to stay on the course, we're good. But every now and then, something happens and we can't simply stay on the course and we are on a detour. I'm here to encourage you today that though you are on a detour through this word, I want to encourage you that God is still with you because God is God of the detour. 
Um, our pastor last week preached the story of Joseph, powerful message, and I don't know why I found myself in that same passage, but I don't want to take this just from Joseph's perspective. I want to take it from Jacob, his father's perspective. For you see, those who don't know the story, because maybe you're new today and you didn't catch the sermon, the story of Joseph, if I could quickly summarize, Joseph, a young man, has dreams, tells his brothers about these dreams. But I need to set up the context that he's the favorite child, and because of that, he's already a targeted, target man. <laughs> his father gives him a special coat, makes it even worse. He has these dreams. They're sick of him. So then they take him and sell him into slavery. He's a slave, and he's doing his best, and he's promoted in that aspect. But then the wife comes on to him, and he refuses. She lies on him. He's sent to prison, but he's even promoted there. And then the pharaoh sends his two servants, a baker and a cupbearer, and they have dreams, and he interprets these dreams. And they go up, and they forget him. One dies, and he's still there. The Bible says then that Pharaoh has a dream, and I believe it's the cupbearer, right? Yeah, cupbearer, one of the two. <laughs> cupbearer, yes. <laughs> he remembers that Joseph interprets dreams, tells Pharaoh he's promoted there, interprets Pharaoh's dream, and then from there he's promoted and ultimately is able to sustain his family. Because of the detail of Joseph's story, we can read that, and we can see his life's on a detour. But because we get the play-by-play, -play, we can follow and see what was happening. And we understand, based on Joseph, the ending, we see that Joseph had a level of integrity. Joseph was hanging on to God's word. We can see how he was able to travel on this road of a detour. But what about the father, Jacob? Um, interchangeably, his name is also Israel, so if I refer to Jacob Israel, it's the same thing for those who don't know. What about him? I want to take it a little bit from his perspective because he doesn't know what's happening with Joseph. He doesn't know how it's going to end. He is on a different detour, and I feel as though many of us find ourselves more in Jacob's place in the story than Joseph. You see, Jacob, let's take a step back. Jacob, let's look, at the, um, let's look at the journey from his perspective. You have a son, and this is from the wife you love, <laughs> who couldn't easily have children. So this is one of the few that she had, and you love him. You care about this child, and you favor this child, so much so that you give him a special coat, and you don't even care how the other kids feel. <laughs> That's his perspective. And he has... Like most parents, this dream and this hope for your child. At this point in the text, Joseph is only 17, 18 years old. Future still ahead of him. You can imagine the thoughts of a parent. You've raised your child the best way you can. You've invested as much as you can. Now they're ready for the world. You have all type of dreams that you hope will come true for that child. Maybe it's not a child for you today, but you have set out on a course that you've invested time and energy in, and you have hopes and dreams. Sure, you know anything can happen, but you feel like 
this is going to happen. You feel it within your spirit. He clearly felt some special attachment to Joseph, why he favored him in the first place. There's a lot of different scenarios in which he was thinking about, but the Bible says one day all of that changed. The Bible is not clear exactly how he found out in terms of was he sitting down and he saw the sons coming to him and he's looking, where's Joseph? Where's Joseph? I don't see Joseph. But we know that they brought the coat. They said it's torn up. And they say, what do you think happened? They're wicked. <laughs> they say, what do you think happened? And then the worst thing that a parent could come to is says, surely my child is dead. Not only died, but in a brutal way. This is that moment when his life, there's a detour. Everything for Jacob at this point in time changes. At this moment. Similar to what I'm saying on a lower level, that turn, it is that moment when it's a detour. You could imagine, the Bible says he was, he was grieving and the, they tried to comfort him and he could not be comforted. He said, I'm going to go down to the grave in mourning Joseph is gone. It may not be a child for you, and by God's grace and hope, I hope it wasn't, but I want you to put yourself in the situation because it can minister in so many different areas where you had a hope, you had a dream, and the last thing that you think would have happened, happened. Where you feel, God, this could not be the plan for me. This could not be it. I'm on a detour. Something happened, that one moment that sticks out for you. Because for me, um, I used the, the, the analogy of driving. I kept thinking back to that one turn. I said, if I only did a different turn, things would be different. I don't know about you today. If there's a situation in your life that you said, only if that moment didn't happen, my life wouldn't be what it is right now. If I didn't make that financial decision, if I didn't make that sin, if I didn't pick that friend, if I didn't do this job, if I didn't do this, we feel, even though we are still living, we almost feel as though we are, we're, we're going on a longer route. This is not God's best for me anymore. Life can't be as good. And you imagine for Jacob, he's still serving God. He still has his other kids. But there's this pain to say, this is not the life that I want dare enough to say this is not the life that God wants for me. But I'm here to encourage you today, even though you may be in that place, God is God of a detour. God is still God of the detour. I want to take some things to Joseph's life that I think can minister to us today. The first is the feeling. The feeling. Type in the chat, feeling. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say the feeling. Remember, we're still on the journey, and now you're on a detour, and you know there's this feeling that comes over you. There's this feeling day by day, this isn't the journey. This is what's going on. I want to talk to you about that feeling. Jacob was on that feeling. Today, you may be on that feeling today on the detour. But just because you feel you're on a detour, it doesn't mean you're not in God's will. Just because you are on a detour, it doesn't mean you're, in God's, you're not in God's will. See, the thing, 
about the detour is, the detour, if I could sum it up in a way, theologically speaking, it is where God's, it's where our free will and God's sovereignty combine. Our free will and God's sovereignty combine. Let me explain that. Because you see, God has given us free will to decide and to make our decisions on this earth. Yet God is still sovereign, meaning he has the right to make whatever decision and he is in complete control. And yet God doesn't always exercise that. This is why some people struggle and they say, if God is all good and all powerful, why does he allow certain things to happen? And when you simply offer this free will argument, some people say, well, then God is not control. It is both that is happening at the time. I want you to look at this because you see in this story, if we take it from the brother's perspective, God allowed them the free will to make the decision to hate their brother. And God allowed them to then put him as, uh, put, um, sell him into slavery. That was their choice. But if you look in Genesis chapter 45, verse 5, Joseph later on, when he talks about um, his brothers and he's encouraging them and telling them, hey, you did this. We understand you're sad. You're feeling guilty about this. But let me explain something to you. It says, now, therefore, do not grieve nor angry with yourself that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. They're, they sin in their actions, but you can see in this story, you sold me there, but God sent me here. Sounds like a contradiction. You sent me here, you sold me there. You're trying to send me away, but God was actually sending me to something. That is free will and God's sovereignty happening at the same time. That was the sin of the brothers. When you look at Jacob, because that's who we're focusing on today, he put a bullseye on him <laughs> by um, putting that coat on him. I mean, it's like, it's one thing if you know your parents have a favorite, but then when they start buying them stuff and doing things for them, <laughs> you just see it and you're just, it's just annoying you. So you can argue that he was careless in his mistake, but look at what God does. In that situation, Joseph already has a bullseye on him. God gives him two dreams. And not only does he give him two dreams, they're not vague, two dreams in which one is like the, weed, um, the, the stocks are bowing to him and one the sun, moons, and stars are bowing to him. The Bible even says Jacob rebuked him where it says, what is this? You talk about <laughs> putting a target greater on his back. But God knew exactly what he was doing. God allowed this situation to happen. You're free to make your decisions. You're free to play the favorites. You're free to be jealous. You're free to do all these things. But none of these things are greater than my authority and my plan. And none of it will direct, derail things. God is still God of the detour. Because when you think about the GPS, you would say to yourself, if I, if, if I knew I was on a detour and I got upset and I went back home, you would say, Matchel, that's silly. Just stay on route. 
And I said, no, it's a detour. It's not what I thought. And he said, no, the GPS is in control. It's going to keep you in line. Sure, it's going to take you a longer route, but the GPS, as long as you follow it, you'll be able to get to your destination. God is greater than any GPS in that even though the sins of man cannot stop God's plan for our lives, your sins cannot stop God's plan for your life. As long as you continue to love and trust God, God can send you on a detour. No, God can be God of the detour. Some people, when I say that, when your sins can't, even your sins, you think, no, 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 no. My sins can surely take me out of God's will. That, that can happen, right? But let's be clear. You are not on the direction you are because you make the best decisions in life, because you made a bunch of bad ones. I have too. You are not in this position simply because other people have made bad decisions. You stay on the course of, in the will of God because Jesus died on the cross and Jesus rose again with power. And when you accept that gift of, accept the gift of salvation, as long as you love God and you continue to trust in that, no matter how you deviate, you will end up in the destination because God is God of the, the, God is God of the detour. I want to point it out and anchor it in this scripture. It was read earlier in teaching lesson, but I want to read it in a different version. That's Romans chapter 8, 28 to verse 30. And it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. Not, I'm asserting, not who keep the commandments. Not who get everything right. Not who have the perfect plan. Not who the smartest. You love God because he first loves him. Because he first loved us. And if you stay in his love and you trust that God, what he did, is greater than anything you can do, you will be able to stay on course. You say, macho, I've made mistakes and I've sinned and I've messed up and there's no way this happens. Bible says, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. God says, I got you covered. I knew you were gonna make those mistakes and I factored that in when I called you because God is God of the detour. It says, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For who God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that in his son, whom was the firstborn among his brothers and sisters, and having chosen them, that's us, he called them to come to him. And have called them, he gave them right standing with him, that's justification, and he has given them a right to stand, and he has given them the right for his glory. We can see long-term it works out, but in the moment, sometimes you feel, well, I messed up and I made this decision. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if you continue to love God and serve him every day, you will make the destination even in a detour. Somebody say amen. God is God of the detour. But there's something else I want to talk about, and that is the silence. Somebody say silence. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's inactive. Just because God is silent, it doesn't mean he's inactive. 
the scripture that was read earlier, and I want to focus on Genesis 46, verse 2 to 4. He, Jacob finds out his son's alive, right? And this, is, this gap is roughly 22 years. That's 22 years of him grieving, crying, sadness. Some days it feels better, and he's still sad. He's getting used to life, but he always thinks about the son he lost. Has to look, about, look at the other ones, wondering what they did. Uh, uh, I'm just surmising. But if you look at Genesis 46, verse 2 to 4, it says, And God spake unto Israel in a vision of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said unto him, Here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of thy fathers. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will, I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will, surely, I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hands upon thy eyes. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know if you read the Bible the same way I read the Bible sometimes. I have to read it more than once. So that means to say that based on Scripture, God knew the whole time the whole time, Joseph was still alive. That means every night Jacob was crying, God knew and saw him cry. That means every time he prayed, that means every time he asked why, God was aware he was going through this and said nothing. But now, when he finds out he's alive, here comes God now saying, don't worry, go down there, you're going to see Joseph. Now, <laughs> God bless Jacob because Jacob is like, Okay, God, let's go about this. I, in my immature state, let's call it, would have some follow-up questions and say, God, <laughs> you couldn't have said anything. <laughs> you couldn't have told me this. But here's the issue. Just because God is silent, it didn't mean he was inactive. So let's take a step back to that period of silence. God, we know through Joseph, was solely promoting Joseph, and he was building Joseph up to the place where he was going to be basically ruling Egypt. And when Jacob was in his sadness, he was in his mourning, he was in his downstate, whatever it is, maybe depression, I don't know what he was experiencing, he was going down and down, but God was working on something and bringing Joseph up. I don't know what the situation is right now, but you feel as though you're just going down. You just feel you're sinking. You just feel as though this can't be God's will for my life. But you don't know that on the other side of the situation, maybe in the spiritual world, maybe in the natural world, God is working on something. God is doing something even though he is silent. You know, when I was on that journey, and I don't know if you've done this, when you're on a journey with the GPS and it's quiet and you looking if something's wrong, maybe you tap it, <laughs> maybe you make sure it's, it's, it's charged up. But, you know, I was going to stick with that analogy, but to be honest, you can look at the GPS and see it and you're like, okay, it's good, it's good. But I, um, my wife... Um, for Father's Day, bless me with the opportunity to drive a Tesla. We didn't buy a Tesla. <laughs> we just rented it because <laughs> I love cars. I love cars. And it's one of these electric cars. If you haven't driven one of those, it's, it's you know, when I drive other cars, you know, you feel the engine, you know, and, and especially if your car is old and beat up, you feel the engine. 
These cars, when you first get into them, will throw you off because you will not feel anything. It is quiet. You almost feel as though it is not working at all. To before I hit the road, I was just driving around in a parking lot, just getting used to it because my mind was saying, this isn't working. No, the car is still in park. It is that way because it is designed to be silent at that time. It's based off our convenience to not want noise. The problem with, with us and the problem with God sometimes, and I say problem loosely, sarcastically, is if we design God, God would never be silent. God would be telling us every detail of every moment and everything. Whenever we ask a question, God would have to give us an answer. Whenever we, we, we had a question, he would have to give us, he would have to tell us detailed of his plan. But God doesn't work that way because even though he tells us all the information, we don't have the wisdom to handle all that information. Because think about it, if Jacob knew that, let's say the, the sons fessed up and said, you know what, Father, we can't see you in this, this, this state. We sold Joseph, he's a slave, here he's at. Remember, Jacob had money, Jacob had influence, he would have went and got him. But when we further see in the story, that would have messed up God's divine plan. So God was silent for a reason to bring about his purpose. You may be on a detour and you don't understand why is God silent on this issue. Sure, you have the word and sure you hear sermons, but for some reason, nothing is speaking to your situation. You try to talk to friends and they can't give you a good enough advice. You try to talk to other people and you're not getting the answer. Maybe God is silent for a reason. Maybe his divine plan to work out the detour of whether it's the sin of other people or whether it's our mistakes, we are on this, but at this point in time, the reason why it's going to work is if I am silent. And the only thing you can do is trust God and love him and say, God, you're not speaking in this situation, but I'm still gonna trust you. You're silent on this case, but I'm gonna trust you. You've been a good God before, and I'm trusting you're gonna do it again. I'm just gonna trust you. So even though you're on a detour and things are silent, you can still trust God because God is God of the detour. Somebody say amen. I really want to encourage you on that point today because somebody today, you're saying God has been silent. God was silent for 22 years. I don't know how long it is for you where God has been silent. Maybe you're single and you say God's been silent on a partner. Maybe you're in a situation in a marriage and God has been silent on finishing that. Maybe you're trying to advance yourself in school and God has been silent on certain issues. I don't know what it is. But just because God is silent doesn't mean he isn't doing something. And surely enough, when it all comes to pass, you're going to realize, God, it was good for you to be silent in that area because if I had known, I would have did a better plan. But I trusted that you were in control because God is God of a detour. Somebody say amen. God is God of the detour. And lastly, the timing. Somebody say timing. You see, it all comes together in timing. Just because you're on a detour, I was focused that I'm late. But when God takes in calculations everything, he's like, according to my will, you're going to arrive on time. You may be on a detour, but you're going to arrive on time. 
In this story, when you read it, it seems as though everything fell to place just on time because Joseph was revealed to them when there was a famine. And they didn't just get back Joseph, they got back a powerful Joseph that was able to sustain them. You see, God takes in all that calculations because when you think about the GPS, the GPS is not just charting your route. The GPS has all the roads and it has a satellite view of everything. I've used a GPS where it gives you up-to-date things where it's to traffic. There's one GPS that I use that they said an object fell and sure enough I'm driving and it shows you the object is there and I have to drive out of the way. It is like pinpoint accurate. Some of them it's scary how pinpoint accurate they are because the GPS is taking in calculations of all of these things in your journey. So when it's a detour, it's being able to tell you, even when there's construction, some GPS will update you on that. But God is greater than a detour, greater than a GPS, because the GPS is limited by time and space. God is not limited by that. You see, God knows everything that's going to happen when he's making his calculations and routing your journey. God doesn't just know everything that's going to happen. God knows the thoughts of everyone before they're going to do their decision making. So God looks at all of that and then he calculates the situation. And he says, I got a will that I have to perform here. So God knew what, what he was doing when he gave Joseph the dream. God knew what he was doing when he allowed the brothers to sell him into slavery. God knew what he was doing when he allowed Jacob to make him that code. God knew what he was doing because, look, just at that moment, Joseph arrives, and he arrives in a household where he was able to excel. And the, 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 the um, Potiphar was able to give him responsibility. It almost seemed perfect in this situation because God knew what he was doing. But here comes this challenge that sends another detour. This wife comes, but God knew this wife was going to do this and put Joseph in that situation. God also knew that Joseph was not going to make that mistake. Sure, Joseph made other mistakes in his life, but God knew he wasn't going to make this mistake. God also knew that Potiphar was going to believe his wife. He knew he was going to go into prison in the palace. In the palace, sure enough, God knew, and the time and again, God knew those, his two servants were going to offend. They were going to send down in the same prison with Joseph. God then, here he is, sends another dream, and now Joseph is able to interpret these dreams. God knew this was going to happen. One was going to live, and one was going to die. One is promoted back. And God knew he was going to forget about him for all that time. But even human error cannot stop the detour, of, cannot stop God's plan for our life. And even though, you're in an, even though you're in a detour, and even though there are things that are happening, God knows the exact timing. And it may, Joseph may have been in that moment and wondering, God, when is this dream going to happen? Jacob was wondering, God, what is going on? But at the right timing, somebody say timing. God understands, and at the right timing, he brought it about. God then sent a dream to Pharaoh that no one could understand. And just then, the right timing, all of a sudden, after two years, he remembered. He said, you know what? I remember when you were upset with me, Pharaoh. And there was a man down there that can interpret dreams. Just then, Joseph then comes up, and he is able to interpret the dream. And the dream speaks of a famine that can hum, come. 
Famines could wipe out a whole type of people. People could die at famines, and he gives them the fights, and now he's in charge. And that is when it's revealed to Jacob, because you see, it's not just Joseph's prophecy. It is the ultimate prophecy, what he spoke to about making him a great nation. And that, that prophecy was at risk because of a famine, because they were willing, to, they were going to almost die. But then here comes God's plan, the right timing when Joseph was revealed. And then Jacob was able to come and see Joseph because God says, now I need you to know about Joseph being alive because it's not about your comfort. It's about my ultimate plan to bring about my will for your life. And they were able to be sustained because of the right timing. Somebody say timing. But it's not just that because there was a bigger plan. You are on a detour, but you don't realize that it's not just about you and your comfort. It's not just about your family. It's all about all of us together. And God is calculating and working it all together to bring about his greater will. He did not just to sustain that family for that family's sake. Because there was a greater prophecy where it says, By thy seed, all nations of the earth be blessed. That seed was Jesus Christ. And God had to sustain that. And all throughout this situation, it wasn't about Joseph. It wasn't about Jacob. It was about Jesus. And it was about us that he knew that because of what happened in Garden of um, what happened in um, Eden, we are on a detour. Humanity is on a detour. But God says, I got a plan on this detour. I'm going to send my son to die so that we will not be lost. So any man that is on this detour where you are going to hell, you just need to accept this, this um, price that was paid. And now, even though you have challenges, even though you have issues, your destination is the kingdom of God because you accepted him because I am God of the detour. I am God of the detour. The devil can't stop this detour. Your sins can't stop this detour. The sins of man cannot stop this detour. As long as you love and trust God, even though there are detours, even though there are turns, even though your life may not seem to be going in the direction, could it be possible that God is still guiding and ordering your steps, and you're going to arrive right on time. I want to pray today because I want, just like I received this, I want you to be able to receive this. Because let's be honest, this is easier said than done. And in Jacob's story, we see a, a, a happy ending. But for some of us, the reality, we won't always see this happy ending. Some of us are still on this detour. Some of us are still in a situation where God is silent. We don't know what's going on. And we're hoping for something better. I want to first engage those who may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This world, the way it is, the messed up stuff we see, the sickness, the disease, the horrible things that humans do, humanity is on a detour. This is not what God wanted for us. But God is allowing this detour, and there's a way to get back on track with him, and that is through his son. We have an opportunity for you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, 
I believe there's a link or something that's going to be made available. And if you're saying, I don't even know what to do in this time, I want to receive prayer. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, but you feel that you're on a detour and you want better for your life, someone is there to pray with you today. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. Don't worry about your life being perfect. Don't worry about always having the answers. Maybe someone sinned and that sin has sent you on a detour for your whole entire life. Maybe it was something when you were a child. Maybe something when it's older and you're like, I, you don't know what's happened to me. Jesus can save you. Jesus can still help you in this detour. You are not alone. It could be your sins, whatever the case is. I pray you minister to them right now. God is God of the detour. For those of you who are still online, for those of you who are still, thank you, for those of you who are still online and you are Christians, I just feel so deeply in my spirit. Some of you, you just feel like you're in this detour and you feel as though this is not God's will for your life. Understanding the standard is the kingdom. That's what God wanted for us. Anything less, we're on a detour. It could be your hopes. It could be your dreams. It could be a parent, and it could be your child. You feel they're on a detour. We want to pray today. It could be a marriage. You feel your marriage is on a detour. This was the last thing you were expecting. We're going to pray today. Young people, it could be a friendship that you trusted in, and now things have gotten you in a situation. Maybe no one knows about it. You're on a detour. We're going to pray today. It could be a hope or a dream or a vision that God put into your spirit. And you, you, you were like, God, I know this dream was real. I believe this was something you want. And now it seems as though your life is going in the opposite direction. You're on a detour and we're going to pray so as I pray, I want us to agree and pray together that whatever the detour is for a person, that the, we don't want the enemy to convince you to turn back, to no longer go on this destination, to give up. It is always sad when I read or I hear the testimony of a, a believer who says, I gave up this Christian thing. I just can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. I don't judge them in the sense to say, I just feel sorry for them. Because if they just kept on in the pain, in the struggle, there's a greater glory that's going to be revealed. Dear Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, all that you continue to do. Lord, we understand through your word, and for those who are the first time hearing this, that you set up a perfect course for us, for humanity, that we were going to experience your best, but to experience the trueness of your love and to experience life, you gave us free will to choose to even reject you. Unfortunately, we made that choice and humanity is on a detour. But we are so thankful that you sent your son, that even though humanity was on a detour, you did not leave us alone. You are still guiding us from above and sending us in a place where we are directed to your son, that if we believe on him, we can have eternal life. 
But even though we've accepted you, Lord, we're still on this detour. There's an enemy, Lord Father, that sometimes um, the sins of others and, this, and our bad decisions, Lord Father, we are on a detour. So many of us, Lord Father, maybe we don't have the courage to say it, but we have been thinking this. God, why? Why did you let this happen? Of all the things, why, God? You may not at this moment have the courage to say, but I want to speak for your spirit. Somebody is asking God, why, Lord? Why did you allow this to happen? Why my situation? Why my child? Why my marriage? Why my job? Why my body? Why my friendship? And Lord, even though they hear sermons and they hear things, still despair hits their heart because, Lord, you haven't maybe spoken to them directly. Maybe you have. But maybe grief, depression, anxiety, fear, the enemy. We don't know what it is, Father, but we pray in the name of Jesus for a level of clarity to become ring true in their lives right now. Holy Spirit, we come against any demonic attack, and I pray the Holy Spirit begins to minister to our heart right now. Even though you may not reveal the plan, Father, I pray you reveal that you are still with them. Though they may be in the fire, Lord, reveal, I'm in the fire with you. I'm not just God outside of it, but I'm God of it, so I can be in here and sustain you in this challenge. You are not on this road alone. You are not on this road alone. I know you don't hear him audibly sometimes, but you're not on this road alone. You may read the Bible, but let them know they're not on the road alone. They may hear a sermon and they say, I still don't feel it. But Lord, encourage them that they are not on this road alone. Jesus didn't come and die to desert them, but Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, which he said was better, that lives inside, and he feels your depression. He feels your sadness. He feels your anxiety. And even when you cannot communicate it, he makes, he makes intercession for you. You are not in the situation alone. God encouraged them right now today. We pray, Lord Father, for sins that others that may have traumatized people. We pray you encourage them. We pray against that person that feels they have gone too far and they can't do anything. Let them know it's not their works, but it is your love. And they just need to love and serve you today. The best that they can today, they get right back on track with you. I even pray for somebody that possibly you have backslided. You have turned from God and you said, I've gone too far. Father, I pray, Lord, reveal to them that he, you knew when you called them. You knew when they went down in the water that they were going to make that decision. But grace is still there. Extended to them, arms open and wide, and they can get back on course. Sure, they've been in a detour, but they can get back on course if they trust you. Could you continue to be with our church Bless us. Bless the pastors who at times have to lead us all in our direction. And when we go off course and when we go on detours, Lord Father, encourage them, Lord, letting them know that you are right there with them as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless.